This edition of The Wellness Prescription is brought to you by Healthy Planet, helping the people of the world to live healthy lives. Welcome to The Wellness Prescription on 105.9 The Region. I'm Dr. Claudia. Thank you for joining me today. I welcome Dr. Quadro. He is from Ottawa. He is here to talk to us about health and how to keep everyone healthy, how to get on the health train. Um, We can also refer to him as Dr. K. He loves that. So thank you for being here today. Dr. Claudia, you know I had to come back. That last experience was so much fun. And I'm just really appreciative of you uh, asking me to come on. So thank you so much. Well, we're always looking to have fun, interesting conversations about health. We need to make health much more fun than it appears to be for most of us. But before we talk about all the good stuff, pandemic is over or is it really over? What are your thoughts? First of all, I'll preface this by just saying this is my humble opinion. The pandemic's over. We're in the endemic phase, and I'll, I'll give you a few reasons why. The amount of vaccination that we saw in the community that protects us from severe disease, meaning your risk of landing in hospital or dying from COVID, is significant. Then you add the hybrid immunity from natural infections. Many of us got infected with Omicron or uh, variant afterwards or before even. And so the level of hybrid immunity in the community is is significant. And once again, that might not stop you from getting another infection, but it certainly prevents you from landing in hospitals. It reduces your risk significantly. Also, we have a less deadly virus that's circulating. Add that all up. And then you look at someone like myself who takes care of ICU patients. So people on a ventilator because of COVID. And the last I would say 10 months, I could count them on one hand, the amount of patients I've had to treat uh, in Ottawa, which is a city of a million. That's music to my ears. Now, the big question is, what did we learn from it? And now, how are we going to focus on teaching people about being healthy, the simple facts about being healthy? How are we going to get everybody there? What are um, you know some of the things that you would recommend? When it comes to future pandemics, we really have to look and be more focused on the data. What does the data tell us? Who's getting sick? Who's at highest risk? And focus our interventions there. You know, and this is where I think when we looked at the, some of the more global restrictions, all these measures, what it's did for society, for the economy, for our overall health, the cancer screening, delayed surgeries, all these things, when you add it all up, this was extremely significant impact on all of our lives. So I think we need to really think about focusing on interventions as opposed to restrictions. That's number one. Number two, if there was ever a disease that illustrated how important it is to be healthy, it was COVID. When we saw the amount of people that had obesity, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, type 2 diabetes, to me, this was a huge signal for us to, let's get healthy. You know, And that's just talking about COVID. When you look at your risk of heart attack or stroke or cancer, all these things are impacted by our overall health and, 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 and fitness level. So to me, one of the take-home messages of the pandemic was let's get healthy. I agree with you. And I feel like we 
as healthcare professionals have a huge responsibility to the community and to the public. We need to, you know, people look to you uh, for advice, for knowledge, for an example, and you are a perfect example of being healthy. You've got it all together. You're busy, you're working, you have a family, you're keeping it together for the people and you're setting the examples. I try to do the same thing, but where do you think we need to start to educate people? I mean, it's one thing for me to say I have a patient that comes to my office, is about 30 pounds overweight. I have to painfully have this conversation and say, well, if you want to feel better and be able to move better, we're going to drop the weight. That's what I feel is my responsibility. But from your perspective, what do you think is the place to start? The place to start is the awareness. And I don't know for there. Like, I think people understand being diabetic or being obese has risk, but I don't know if they know to what extent how much it sh- can shorten your life, how how much it could imp- impact your quality of life a- as you age. The second is whether it's society, whether it's as healthcare providers, that we put emphasis on this, like put as much resources as we put into treatment, we need to put into prevention, like make this a priority. How do we make our city more walkable? How do we make gyms more affordable? How do we make ho- real food more affordable for folks and putting in programs and subsidies to be able to make this happen. The other part of this, when it comes to the actual patient in your office, I think, you know, in medical school, they say, reduce your calories, start doing steady cardio, and then you'll achieve your goals. But that's not for everybody. We need to think of evidence-based, practical ways that for the patient that's in front of us, how they could achieve their goals. And for me, that's not something you could just hand, hand to them in a pamphlet. This is something where you need to sit down and listen to their lifestyle, what their stressors are, where their lapses are, and help them achieve very attainable goals. Like this is one thing that is very lofty. Like you, someone comes in your office, 30 pounds too heavy, and you say, okay, lose 30 pounds, eat less, and exercise. No, that's not enough. You know it's not enough because it doesn't work. So what, do you, what tools are you going to give them? And this is where I think we need a little bit more education and why I'm hoping even as the medical students and healthcare professionals that are the next generation, they see why this is so important. And one of the things that I find the most fascinating, and you said this just before, having, you know, what we call comorbidities and, you know, d- chronic diseases it really does affect your quality of life. And I feel like that is that is a place to start. Like just proving that your quality of life has, you can't imagine your quality of life at 80. You have to imagine your quality, quality of life today when you're 30, 40, 50. I don't want to be uh, hindered by my inability to walk up the stairs or go skating with my children or go for hikes or sit down and stand. Like that's where it's at. It's about the fact that it really does affect how we live our lives. And you're going to become a strain on your family, your friends, the system. So I feel like that's a conversation that we need to make people aware of is your your life can be so much more fun if you are healthier. Absolutely. When you think about the inability to stay active with your kids, to connect with the colleagues as if they want to go for a run or play soccer or what have you, like the missed opportunities. And this is what we need right now. I I think our nation, society, we, we're healing right now after the pandemic. There's a lot of healing that needs to be happening mentally, physically, and so forth. So part of that is providing people with tools to feel better. And when, when that, when it comes to quality of life, to be, to be able to connect 
to be able to to keep up with your kids is so important. And I'll tell you, I, I'm in the business of quality of life all the time. I My job's in the intensive care unit and, and I also work in palliative care. And you see, especially near the end of life, how often people just wish they could be there with their loved ones and do the things that they love to do. And that might mean looking at our lifestyles and seeing what we need to modify to, 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 to help us achieve that. And so I think your point, Claudia, of really putting that emphasis on quality of life is, is so important. And, and maybe it's in some ways just being that role model and showing a lot of folks like what your life can be. Maybe a lot of people feel like they can't get out of the rut. They can't get into a better position than they are today. You're right. Part of the problem is that it's an inundating, it's like a daunting task to think about losing some weight, getting active again, um, you know, trying to run five kilometers or you don't, you don't need to do all that in a day. You have to make being healthy a part of your life. You have to really want it. You have to really seek it and think how good you're going to feel at that you know, at whatever finish line it is for you, whether it was to lose the weight or whether it was to be able to run five kilometers. It's about getting to that point. It's not going to happen in a day. It's going to happen over time. You're going to make it a quality of life. And it's, it's a journey. And I think that's what I like about watching you on social media, all the work that you do. You really are making being healthy a positive journey, a positive experience while being realistic. Absolutely. I, I think this is where we failed, folks, is the lack of realism. Like, honestly, when people come to me and they say, hey, Dr. K, my, my mom is having trouble with with her diabetic control, or I'm looking to lose 10 pounds, like, what do you think I should focus on? You have that conversation, and once again, you, you talk about what their life looks like, what the stuff that they love to do, and you tailor it. This is the thing, like, People got to realize, like, if so, if I were to give even a Coles Notes version of, of say, like areas that people can improve on in general, like when it comes to nutrition. By the way, if you're gonna choose one thing to focus on, if you're gonna try and get healthy, nutrition is is by far gonna give you the biggest bang for your buck. So whether you choose to fast, whether it is to amp up your protein intake so that really you 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 put in some high quality food and less likely to load up on carbohydrates. Or you just avoid any processed foods. If you choose any of those three things, for most people, you'll be in a great spot. From an exercise point of view, push weight, lift weight. There's so much bang for your buck by lifting weights. And when you push weight, you improve your metabolic rate. In other words, you burn more calories as you put on more muscle, lean muscle mass. You get stronger. You could add a cardio component to that. High intensity interval training. This is my favorite to to save time. My workouts, I could bust out a workout in ten minutes. From a stress management point of view, if you are going to choose one thing to do, just improve your sleep, which is I must say, even at a personal level, is probably the hardest thing that I I need to work on. But that would be you know, not to be too prescriptive there. But if you were to focus, most people to focus on any of those, you'd be uh, miles ahead of where you are today. And sleep is, in in your case, for example, you struggle the most with achieving that good sleep. But you just made the key point in that it's not all going to be easy, but it's n- none of it is unattainable. And I think that's what people need to know is that being healthy is not uh, like trying to climb, you know, Mount Kilimanjaro. It's about 
it's attainable. You just got to take the time, put the effort in and just watch how your body and your life will transform. Yeah, your body, your life, your mind and have fun with it. That's the thing that you could do. You have fun, whether it is you want to do fitness. If you don't feel like pushing weight, you don't push weight, but you're going out for walks with your friend. You're connecting. You're, uh, you know, if you're uh, preparing your meal for the week, you do it with your your partner and, and you, I don't know, you put on a podcast at the, in the background, you put Dr. Claudia on, on in the background and you, you, you share that experience. Like there's lots of ways to do this and make the experience fun. So not only will you get the result, which is gratifying, but you will love the process. You'll love it because it's, it, it, it's fun and you, and you feel good and you, you, you've achieved things. And so that's why I always emphasize Claudia is almost more about the process than the outcome. Cause the outcome takes a long time. Like this is the other thing we got to say to Claudia is like people, we got to set expectations straight for you to lose whatever your goal is. It's going to take patience. It's going to take time. So be in love with the process. Be have fun with it. And be in love with yourself first. When we come back, food to help us thrive and hormone replacement therapy. This is the Wellness Prescription on 105.9 The Region. Stay with us. Connect with us on Twitter at 105.9 The Region or call 416-335-1059 or email info at 1059theregion.com. This is 105.9 The Region. The Wellness Prescription with Dr. Claudia on 105.9 The Region. You're listening to 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to The Wellness Prescription. Before the break, Dr. K and I were talking about the things we can change in our healthcare to ensure that we're not inundating our healthcare system and some of the things that we can do to take health into our own hands, have fun with it, believe in ourselves, and just fall in love with the process. Dr. K. Food is important to you since you're not only feeding yourself, but I know you're feeding your children. Where do we go wrong with our food choices? What a great question. I think we like to go with what's easy and what, and often what, what is easy is something processed. It's something that is not high in, in protein, for example, because time can be of the essence because not everyone has deep pockets. At times we'll go with the fast food, the cheapest thing. I think a lot of that can unfortunately make us unhealthy. And so when it comes to trying to eat healthier, my bias is always emphasize the protein intake. If you're trying to lose weight, my favorite my favorite approach is adding intermittent fasting as an example, where you skip breakfast or you have an early lunch or a late lunch uh, as an example. There's several ways out there that people can improve their nutrition status but certainly i think one of the concerns is is what's easy and what's readily available and that's unfortunately uh, refined carbohydrates and, and processed food we have to start making those choices and saying are we going to have this or are we going to have this this is going to provide me with fuel with uh you know antioxidants the other is not it's going to provide me with you know saturated fats and all that so it's about being aware of making those choices they're both really easy right you can just drive through the drive through you can take it from your fridge you just have to kind of be prepared and i think that's a you know that's the another place to start is like let's choose let's see what we're choosing and why we should be choosing one over the other is a bit of a cheat code, Claudia. Like if you prepare that lunch, if you take the time at the beginning of the week and do that food prep, you are way less likely at 
two in the morning or two in the afternoon when you didn't get a chance to get breakfast or or lunch, and now you're gonna steal something from the cafeteria. Oh, that poutine looks good. I'm gonna hit that up. I know I've been fasting too, so might as well just load up on 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 uh, poutine. Like this is where I think people can also falter. So it's a good point you make, uh, Claudia, that preparation can make a world of difference. You're busy. You're working, you know, five days of the week, probably like crazy hours. Um, I'm sure your wife is working and managing a home, but you still find the time. And I think that's the point I want to drive home that it doesn't, I, I meal prep, I prep on the weekends, I prep like when I have a little extra time. It's not difficult. It's just about being organized. And once again, it's not not tangible. It is extremely doable. It just takes a little bit of effort and getting into the habit of it. So I know my Sunday is for meal prepping. I prep things. I keep myself organized so we can get to that point. Because if you can do it and you're busy and I can do it and I'm still, you know, I'm in the still the kid phase where my kids are very busy and need me to drive them places, we can all find the time to make those healthy choices. I'll preface this, Claudia, by saying I do have a lot of help in my life. We do, like, we're three kids. My wife is psychologist. I wish I worked five days a week. Sometimes it's eight. We have a hired help. We we invest in someone that helps us food prep when we can't food prep. It's all about priorities. In our house, this is a priority. Eating healthy and staying active is one of our values. And the boys know it. We talk about what we, how we fuel our bodies. And don't get me wrong. We make a stop at McDonald's. We make a stop at Timmy's. Like, we do all that. Like, we're human. But the general direction on how we eat is whole foods, high in protein, berries, and, and, and antioxidants. We, we put an emphasis on this because we tell our, our children, and, they see, and we try and role model it ourselves, that how we fuel our bodies will dictate how we feel and how we perform like in life but for my boys too like on the ice for little Zeke who's four years old he's loving soccer these days so he's 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 wanting to represent on a pitch so this is this is a this is a value for our household and I like that you said that 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 is important to you and that is the investment you've made is to your health and it's just a matter of understanding that you really do have to make the investment, the time and the investment. And it's really important because you're teaching the kids something that's going to help them, you know, achieve, succeed. Um, and we're going to have a healthier community uh, in the long run. So we're not so much doing it for ourselves anymore. We're doing it for the, the, you know, the generations that are below us that are coming up and we need them to be healthier. And, you know, we're at that point where, like you said, we're in the healing phase. I always say be the change and be that example. Not, you can't just preach it. You got to show it. You got to show how to execute. They got to look towards your way and say, hey, they see Dr. K hustling, doing doing what he's got to do. We're going to follow behind. Like that's, that's our approach. Second thing I wouldn't mind adding, I recognize there's a lot of people out there, especially post-pandemic. These are hard times. So to afford a gym, to afford high quality foods is, is not easiest situation for too many folks. And one of the many things that we advocate for right now is for people in those tough t spots to have, whether it's subsidi subsidized gym memberships or access to, to, to some of these health experts, to access to high quality foods. Like to me, that's the future and where I would love to see us invest in. Make sure that people have access to what they need 
to get healthy because it's not easy. Like, you know, one of the things that we saw in the pandemic, people of color were hit hard by the pandemic. And, and the reason why is, you know, from a socioeconomic point of view, they're hurting and they're living in multi-generational homes. They're essential workers and they're working all kinds of hours to try and make ends meet. And they unfortunately aren't in the easiest situation to be able to fend for their health. And one of the, the things that we did to try and improve the metabolic health of, of our, our community of racialized folks in, in Ottawa uh, to try and help them reverse their type 2 diabetes and or pre-diabetes. They're not in a position that many of us are in where they could afford to get that gym membership, eat that, eat the high-quality food. So I think that needs to be said, too, because um, I know there's a lot of people struggling. That leads me to my next um, question to you. That's really great that you're doing that, and that exists everywhere, and we need to make that a priority. But mental health is really a big problem among all of our communities. It doesn't matter where you are in this world, mental health seems to be deteriorating rapidly. How do you feel we can help, you know, get rid of this or help improve or encourage people to get the help they need or maybe find the help they need? You know, one of the things that I think has improved significantly over the last few years is the awareness Unfortunately, as you alluded to, post-pandemic, this is only worse. I, I feel like this is this is a crisis, if, if I'm being honest with you. Like, this is less of a taboo topic than it was years ago. So I, I think people are more likely to seek help. But this is not something that everybody could afford. We need counseling or, or help with a psychologist. And that that comes out of pocket. One of my take-home messages is that this, if we're serious about universal health care, is that we should have this funded. Like, we, people shouldn't have to pay out of pocket to see a, a mental health professional. This investment will ultimately save dollars. I, I truly believe that. And whatever we need to do to increase the accessibility for folks, I think it needs to be a priority, especially as we progress. And w- one of the other things I, I'm hoping, I'm not sure how this will look, but how do we give people the tools now? Like how, like our youth, how do we give them the tools to cope now? Like, you know, I know my, my little guys, their school teaches them mindful meditation and so forth. I don't know if that's a universal thing, but the idea of making our kids, giving them the tools to be adjusted or to address these, these issues earlier before they become, you know, more of a concern that to me is another area where we can probably enhance. But this is that's a tough question. Like I don't I'm not gonna pretend to know all the answers, but certainly I think it needs investment. I agree with you. I think that um, starting when they're much younger, teaching our youth to handle stresses, understand anxiety, what what stems from it, and giving people the tools that they need to help cope. Because we all have stressors and we all have moments. We just don't want those issues to become chronic where you become and you have a mental illness that you can't come back from without ease. So we do need to provide those tools. And I agree with you, universal healthcare should incur include psychology, not just psychiatry. Amen. Amen, Claudia. As your final words, what would you like to leave us all with? And I know you have your famous, famous line that um, <laughs> that I love to hear you say. So as famous last words, what message are you sending out to all the listeners? A couple things. One is be motivated to be healthy. Being healthy 
is beautiful. You'll live longer. You'll feel better. Your mental health is improved. You'll become more functional. You'll be around for your grandkids and not just around for your your grandkids. You'll be that fun grandparent that could keep up with the, the kids and play soccer and so forth. It will put you in a spot where you're less likely to see someone like myself in an intensive care unit. The second point I want to make is we need to change the boogie because the boogie has got to change for real. And what I mean by that is we cannot approach health and wellness or healthcare in general with the same approach expecting expecting different results. We need to think outside the box here, unconventional approaches here, because what is going on isn't working. So this is what, I mean, on our platform, it's all about we're changing the boogie because the boogie's got to change because th- the narrative has to change. We we have, to, like, the, the situation in this country, like, not to be too Debbie Downer, Claudia, but I've never seen healthcare in general as bad as it is now, period. So what are we going to do about it? It's not just the same old, same old. Yep, I couldn't agree with you more. Now, I learned so much. I feel so inspired myself, even though I try to be healthy, but I love watching you do what you do. If listeners want to learn more about you, want to follow along, how and where can they do that? Well, thank you once again, Claudia. Like I'm, First of all, I'm just trying to keep up with you, okay? <laughs> Second of all, the, the, the easiest place to, to find us is anywhere you listen to podcasts. So if you find Solvent Healthcare, that's, where, that's the name of our podcast, and we cover a lot of this topic. Social media, if you go to at Quadcast, so K-W-A-D-C-A-S-T on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, our biggest followers on TikTok. That's been a lot of fun. So you can check us out there. And then if you want our media company, we call it Solvent Healthcare Media. That's at quadcast.substack.com. That's amazing. And I know you're going to change the boogie because the boogie got to change. You can always find me on Instagram at Claudia underscore Mackella or my website, ClaudiaMackella.com. That's my show for this week. If you missed it, go to 1059theregion.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Amazon Music, and of course, Audible. I'm Dr. Claudia. Thank you for listening. I hope this helps you live your best life. The Wellness Prescription was brought to you by Healthy Planet. Order online at HealthyPlanetCanada.com or go online to find a location nearest you.